Good morning, everybody. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, and it is the 26th of September, 2023. As I mentioned yesterday on the podcast, I can't believe September is almost over already, but it is. Okay, so welcome, everybody, to today's show. We have a uh, wonderful guest today. We're going to talk about reading and the science of reading and helping kids read and helping teachers to help kids read. We've got Laura Stewart, excuse me, Laura, Laura Stewart, who is the chief academic officer of 95% Group. And they're, they're a good organization. We're going to find out what the name means, how they work, what they're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be a, a nice show. And reading is so much in the education news these days. Okay, we all know what's going on, science of reading, Lucy Calkins, uh, tell us whatever the thing was, tell a story, whatever it was, it was... Um, so it's going to be an interesting show, and I'm looking forward to having Ms. Laura Stewart on the show with us today. I'm Larry Jacobs. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. That's our home website for our American Consortium for Equity and Education, ace-ed.org. We'll archive the show over there like we do with every podcast. Our magazine is over there, which is an online journal called Equity and Access Pre-K-12. And our Equity Awards information is over there, and that's a chance for all you educators out there in pre-K-12 to honor yourselves, your colleagues, your school, etc., with our Excellence in Equity Awards. The industry side of that just closed, and now we're moving on to the educator side. So it's going to be really, really interesting. Check it all out over at ace-ed.org. And by the way, everything we do over there is free. Everything we do, let me say it again, is free. So please go over, check out ace-ed.org. And without further ado, good morning, Laura Stewart. I'm Larry. How are you, Laura? Well, good morning, Larry. Thank you for the warm welcome. I'm excited to be here, and and thank you for all the work that you're doing. It's really important work. Well, thank you very much for saying that. I I appreciate it. You, too. you got an incredible background here. I know you're with the reading. I got the notes here. The Reading League Highlights Education Group, Roland Reading Foundation. Now you work with 95% Group, and I know they only hire people named Laura because I know Laura Sullivan over there very well. So you're another Laura. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, we have a lot of Lauras here for some reason. I know. Mm -hmm. I know. Well, if you're Irish, it's Tora Laura Laura. What can I tell you? It's Tora Laura Laura. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of thing. It's great to have you here. It's nice to meet you, really. Congratulations. How long have you been with with 95%? I've been with 95% Group about 18 months. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and we are really rapidly growing. Um, Oh, I know. We're growing you know, internally, but also we're growing in our impact. It's a really, really exciting place to be. Yeah, it really is, and it's a good company. We're going to talk about that in detail. And actually, let's, let's just start. Why don't you just tell everybody, I gave a brief cursory overview of the company. Laura, your chief yeah. academic officer, tell everybody what the company is, and you can say why yeah, it's sure. called 95% Group. But also, this is will be interesting to our uh, audience of educators, what does the chief academic officer do? <laughs> What what the, what? I don't mean to sound as stupid. What, as, do, what I do you do all day? Your boss wanted me to ask you that. What do you do all day, Laura? No, seriously, chief <laughs> academic officer, which is a great title. But what's that really mean? I know people will be interested in that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for asking that. Well, let me. I'll start by telling you a little bit about our company, and then I'll tell sure. you about what it is I actually do. So, um, so ninety-five percent group. We're an educational publishing company, and we offer <laughs> professional learning, and we also offer classroom resources in the area of literacy. And we really primarily focus on foundational skills. Um, I would say our approach is really based on that body of research known as the science of reading. 
Yep. And I would also characterize our instructional methodology is that's inherent and baked into our resources would be structured literacy, um, an approach that is explicit, hmm. systematic, sequential, and cumulative instruction. Um, so that's kind of a you know broad sweep of of what we do. Um, the founders of the company called it 95% group because we approach all of our work knowing that with evidence-aligned instruction, at least 95% of our students can learn to read. Um, there's evidence behind hmm. this. We believe this to be true. I call this our North Star, and it really drives everything we do. You know, our, we have a purpose statement. Our purpose is to unlock the power of literacy for every child, mm -hmm. and we do that by building on this science to empower teachers and make sure our teachers have the knowledge and the resources and the support that they need to to deliver on that promise. I mean, you know this, we promise our communities and our nation that we are going to um, ensure that students are literate citizens of the world. And we really wanted to deliver on that promise. So that really is our North Star, that believes nice. that with the right instruction at the right time, um, you know, we can, we can deliver on that promise. And we want to make sure that teachers have what they need to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so I was very attracted to coming on to 95% group as our chief academic officer because of that driving belief um, mm -hmm. that all students can learn to read. That's really been the passion project of my entire career. You mentioned I've, oh. you know, had a lot of different roles. And yeah. you're right, I've been around for a long time. I started as a teacher, an administrator, and have moved into other areas. But I That's still not a bad rise in title for a 29-year-old. You're doing great, Laura. You're doing great. <laughs> Why, thank you. Why, thank yeah, you, no problem. I so appreciate yeah. that. I guess yeah, you, no you know me well. You know me well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But really, I'm truly, sorry, I'm I, at 31. You know, I, but go, anyway, go okay, ahead. Thank yeah, you. Please. Well, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah, again, I always <laughs> say that. 30, 39 again. Again, um, yep. But, you know, I, I, it's really been my, I actually, I, I share this with people all the time. I actually have a mission statement on the wall of my office that I oh. want to contribute in whatever way I can to ensure that all children learn to read joyfully, enabling them to flourish oh. as literate citizens of the 21st century. And I've kept that for a long time in whatever role I've played. So coming to 95% group was an honor and a privilege. It's a great company. It's a great place to be. Yeah, all of nice us people. are really aligned in our vision, yep. right? And then as yep. a chief academic officer, there's a couple things I, I get to do. And I really mean that. Like when I get up in the morning, <laughs> I'm like, I get to do this work, right? Um, but one of the things that I get to do is to really help, um, you know, kind of drive that vision for what we are going to offer the world. And we offer to the world what we're calling our 195 ecosystem, which I can tell you more about that. But the other, so, the other, so that's part of it. And the other part is to, is to speak, like I'm doing here, about the science of reading and to mm -hmm. help proliferate the understanding that we know so much about how children learn to read and what instruction yeah. needs to look like, you know, to be effective and to really help magnify that voice of 95% group and at the same time also help lead our professional learning organization which is a dynamite group of dedicated people who are out there in classrooms you know doing training doing foundational skills courses and also doing what I think is the most important work we do which is coaching coaching in classrooms and really supporting teachers like I said you know in building that knowledge and using those resources and giving them that side to 
side-by-side support they need to to do the work at hand, the important work at hand. Mm-hmm. That was a great overview. Thank you. Okay, I oh, appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. I mean, yeah. okay, it's, it's it's great. You know, I I want I have a couple of questions I was writing down here, and my first comment is this: you know, you mentioned the science of reading, and that mm-hmm. that phrase has the word science in it. Okay, and you mentioned mm-hmm. that a couple mm-hmm. of times. Uh, mm-hmm. When I when I graduated teachers college, okay, I got a uh, a BS, a bachelor's of science, mm-hmm. but in, mm-hmm. in education. But unfortunately, back when I was there, certainly a million years ago, okay, um, science had nothing to do with it, had mm-hmm. nothing yeah. to do with it, nothing. Today, and this is why I think what you said is very important, we have neuroscience, okay? We yes. know yep. how people learn. And I think mm-hmm. this is one of the challenges of, of education these days is that people don't appreciate a teacher. And I don't think their training reflects it as well as it should of the science mm-hmm. of learning. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When we get a company like yours who keeps saying it's science, we need the evidence. We can't just go willy nilly and mm-hmm. read Dick and mm-hmm. Jane. Okay. That mm-hmm. was good, but mm-hmm. it wasn't what we really needed. Yeah, and you, believe me, you mm-hmm. know all the controversies going on with this. Sold a story. I said, tell a story before. Sold a story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The reading controversy, Lucy Calkins, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. we'll talk about mm-hmm. that in a minute. And but my my point is, we have to do more with the science. And if you do yeah. more with the science, yeah. people will respect the profession far, if mm-hmm. I may, far more than they do now. Okay, we're really mm-hmm. learning facilitators, learning scientists, and then we know this, and we have to change the way we train and the way we project mm-hmm. the profession. So I like what you're doing. That's my point on all that. You're oh, yeah. Yeah. science and evidence and data, mm-hmm. and that's the way mm-hmm. you teach. And I also like what you said. I have to say this. You, you didn't say you're going to help kids read. You said you're going to empower mm-hmm. teachers to help them read. And I mm-hmm, thought that was mm-hmm. a great way to phrase that because that's mm-hmm, so important mm-hmm. these days because mm-hmm. teachers are under so much pressure, I got to tell you. One question. Okay, I love 95% yeah. group. I do. I know your company. Okay. But, mm-hmm. okay, you said 95% of kids can learn to read. And mm-hmm. I, I just have to ask this. I never asked this before. Okay, why not 100%? Well, what's, well, what's the 5%? Where's the gap? And I mean, you yeah, can never get yeah. to perfection. You know what I mean. But, but yeah, you I sure made do. a point of saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just curious. Where, why can't we teach that other 5%? Or is that the best we can yeah. ever do? I don't know. Well, and actually, yeah, and actually our statement is that with evidence line instruction, we can teach 95% or more. Ah, there you go. Thank to, you. You know, to, to read. You. Right. So, yeah, because so you kept I saying all kids, we can help all kids, we can help yeah, all kids. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And. We probably can. I, I don't know. But I, I just, I'm just mm-hmm. curious the way you said it, and it was just uh, yeah. interesting to me. You know, no, if we can get 95% for, yeah. of kids to love reading, I'll be very happy, by the way. I'll be oh, extremely happy. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I do think, and I do think it's important, and I'm glad you asked that, because I think it's important to clarify that, you know, barring any severe cognitive um, yeah, yeah. challenges, you know, we can, reading is a learned skill. You know, it's not something we're born knowing how to do. It is something that is, and it's something that is learned. And what gives me the greatest hope at this point in my career is the fact that we are attending, as you said, to the science. And, you know, I'm guessing you're, I'm guessing, Larry, I'm guessing you're 39 like I am. 
yes, so I, I went through teacher yes. yeah yeah so I went through yes. teacher prep about the same time you did and it was it was it was not based on and the we science wore togas. at all and I will we wore tell togas you. to college we wore togas and uh, <laughs> you hadn't been invented oh, so what God. can I tell you oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah um <laughs> and I will tell you that it the, the science of reading is so critically important for today's students yes. Um, and it's also important for today's teachers. I, I, I value and honor teachers and their contributions, and that's why this work is so important to me. And I will tell you, I came up during, you know, the years of whole language. Many teachers today are still being brought up under that methodology. I have yeah. had teachers literally cry when they learn about the science of reading, when they enact structured literacy in their classrooms, and they see the impact of students. I have had teachers say, I feel so terrible I didn't know this and I always say to teachers this is a no shame no blame zone yeah because we we didn't we didn't know what we didn't know and when we now that we do we do better right that's all we can do and I like to also just reiterate I want to punch this up you know the science of reading is it's not you know it's not something we do it's a body of research that informs us you know, how children learn to read, how can best teach students, you know, what happens when things go wrong, what we can do about it. And you mentioned the neuroscience. This yeah, is what so blows important. my mind. You know, this, this body of evidence has been around for five decades, Larry, <laughs> and it's informed by multiple fields of study, neuroscience, cognitive science, communication science, developmental psychology, special ed, implementation science. So it isn't a philosophy. It's not a political agenda, but it's also exactly. not static. You know, it's not yep. static and it's not unchanging. We we need to follow the science. There is no, um, you know, dis, dis, distinct and etched in granite body of science. It's always evolving. We're always learning and we're always growing into it. And I think that's really important. And we at, at 95% Group have made a commitment to following the science and, you know, making changes if we need to to our programs and materials and resources um, to, to, in order to provide teachers with the best possible resources and knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. To me, to me, and again, it, 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 I, 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 I hold the teacher education schools in many cases responsible for this. Okay, yeah. because teaching can be very anecdotal, if I may. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but anecdotal yeah. as far as it goes. But you need mm-hmm. you need scientific evidence. You need evidence and support. I did. I'll give you a classic example. I did a show last week. I had no idea of, of this about equitable grading. You'll love this. Okay, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was with Joe Feldman. You look him up, everybody. He's at Crescendo Education Group. The I had no idea how grading is. I'll just show you this. I'm comparing it to reading grading. Okay, is it's probably one of the mm. most important things we do for mm-hmm. the kids, and yet there is no rhyme or reason to the way we grade. It becomes acad- a- a- anecdotal per teacher, and you may think mm-hmm. you got the test score, but the teacher teaching the same thing in the next classroom is doing it differently. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's not good. That's not good. Mm-hmm. His standing mm-hmm. joke was that's why the kids always want to get Mr. Jacobs as opposed to Miss Stewart. Okay, because he's mm-hmm. easier. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, we're both mm-hmm. teaching the same things. Okay, and it, yeah, it's and, the same yeah. thing with reading. You, it's not up to the individual. There's a science behind it. That's what you guys at 95% Group are doing. There's a science behind it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and For I have sure. to ask and, you this. Yeah. You, who is an expert on this? Because I'm not an expert. My wife has a degree in reading. Okay, but I'm far mm-hmm. from an expert in it. Okay. Um, what is the state of reading these days? If you just kind of had to sum up reading, are kids reading more? Or are they getting enough out of it? How's it? Be, you know what I mean? How's just generically? How's reading these days? Yeah, yeah. Are you talking about reading uh, from the kids' point of view or from the teachers' point of view? Do it whichever or, way you want. Do whichever yeah, way you yeah. want. So, what's going yeah, on with yeah. reading these days? Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, a big um, question, but yeah, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. So. Um, so one of my, my – a woman I consider a friend and a colleague, and I know everybody probably listening knows her, Marianne Wolf, Dr. Marianne Wolf. Um, mm-hmm. She wrote um, – you know, she wrote uh, Proust in the Squid, um, and she, um, she really writes about reading in the brain and what do we know about the human brain and in, in the function of reading. Yes. Uh, she wrote a wonderful book called Reader Come Home and was about reading in the digital age, and I highly recommend it because wow. I think we're all grappling with – What's the difference between reading print and reading screens? And she basically, um, you know, supports this idea that, listen, you know, when we read with screens, we tend to do more shallow reading. And I think that's definitely true. You know, we've got multiple um, inputs, and it, it tends to be agree. very shallow. And that's, that's, that's a fact of life. That's not going to go away. Um, and, however, what we really also want to build with kids is those deep neural systems that come through print reading, that come through deep engagement, and those deep neural systems of reading allow us to, and I think this is one of the most mm. important things, develop empathy for the other. Like think about when you read a fiction selection or even a nonfiction selection, and it's about something or somewhere or someone outside of yourself. And when you have that deep connection to that literature, it allows you literally to develop empathic connections, whereas shallow reading doesn't. And so how important is it that we, as, as educators, not only acknowledge that we have you know, screen uh, reading and access to all kinds of information that we didn't have access to before. Like that's the advantage of having, you know, all this electronic, all these electronic devices and this access to, to mountains of data and information. Yeah. But we yeah. also want to build these deep neural systems that allow us to that's read and read deeply. So I think so when I go back to our work, right, like how does our work impact that? First of all, we have to build um, those neural systems that allow kids to get the text off the page, understand the alphabetic code. English is a written alphabetic system. So first we have to build that so kids can have fluency in getting the text off the page. Once they have that accuracy and fluency and automaticity, that is when it really opens up for them. That's when the world of reading really opens up to them. So our charge in the early grades is to get that neural system built, right? The system that just connects visual and auditory and vocabulary meaning so that kids can get the text off the page and understand what the words mean. Then they can deeply engage in more complex text, which allows them to develop that deep love of reading. So when people Mm. say to me, oh, Laura, you know, those foundational skills, it's just skill and drill. I mean, I remember coming up as a teacher, and it was kind of an anti-phonics movement because it's all skill and drill. It's going to somehow, you know, kill the love of reading. 
but you can't love what you can't do. And so we want to, and we know so much about how to build this neural system with our young students to allow them to get the text off the page with accuracy, fluency, and comprehension that then will allow them to grapple with more, with more sophisticated and more complex text. So that, to me, is the runway. Like when I think about the foundational yeah. skills, to me, that's the runway to, those, to that deep reading that we want all of our kids to have. I always think about, I want students to lead a literate life and to yes. enjoy yes. The, yes. The, 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 the gifts of a literate life. I don't want students to just have reading as information gathering or reading as, you know, a surface level endeavor. I want students to have those moments that I had and I still have when I deeply engage with text. You know, know, by the way, it's the title of your next book, The Gifts of a Literate Life. That's a great title for a book. That's a great title for a book. I got to tell you. And, you know, I have to say this, but I'm going to talk about other stuff, but I got to tell you, I I sometimes think about this and I don't think I ever thought about when I was a kid because you don't think about these things, but learning to read, okay, is, is and somebody teaching you to read, okay, is yeah. an absolute miracle mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Oh, if you really, yeah. all they are are there are symbols that could be different symbols, or like they are in a different yeah. alphabet, okay? Yeah. It, it's a miracle, yeah. okay? There's symbols yeah. on the page, and somehow <laughs> we're able to, duh, this makes sense, this isn't scribble. You know, yeah, and it, it, yeah. it's, 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 when you think about it deep down, like you're saying, neurally deep, okay, it's really mm-hmm. a, it's an amazing thing, and it has to be done right, and you have to enjoy it because that's that's our goal yeah. is to have kids read, become literate, and all that sort of stuff. You don't have to just read tech manuals; you can actually read read novels. Okay, it's that simple. Yeah. I do mention this. I wanted to ask you this. I want you to talk about something you mentioned, the 195, again, 95% group. This is 1, mm-hmm. O-N-E, 195 ecosystem. And what does mm-hmm. that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. You guys are using oh, that phrase. Asking... Yeah, since you did say it, that. I want to hear what it means. Yeah, yeah thanks for asking about that because I'm really no excited problem. about our approach. So we have a, a, I would call it a suite of instructional resources, and we have carefully kind of curated that suite sort of to have these characteristics. Number one, they're aligned across the tiers of instruction. So when we think about, you know, tier one instruction is, is general core instruction, tier two is intervention, tier three is intensive intervention. And we want to provide resources and instructional protocols for teachers that are aligned across tiers of instruction and consistent across tiers of instruction. So that means that we use the same academic language, the same routines, the same procedures, so students and teachers can move seamlessly, you know, within those tiers of instruction and across grades. And I always tell people, you know, never underestimate the power of that alignment. When a student, an early reader, or especially when a struggling reader, you know, hears magic E in her tier one instruction, and then it's called silent E in intervention, that student doesn't necessarily know it's the same thing. So alignment of academic language and alignment of routines is really important. You know, we don't have any time to waste, Larry. I mean, you know this, right? We have no time to waste with our students. So when we think about high-impact instructional routines, if those routines are replicable and scalable across tiers and grades, 
that allows our kids to really hit the ground running in instruction and focus on the content of what they're learning, not on the procedures of the routines that they're using. And I think this really is a differentiator for us in the marketplace because our kids then can move across tiers of instruction and across grades and have that common language, those common routines, so their bandwidth, their, their cognitive bandwidth can really focus on the content that they're learning. This is beneficial for teachers as well. Like when I think about myself oh, as a teacher, you know, if I had replicable, scalable routines that I used with my kids that we could just, you know, move into instruction rather than spend every day thinking about, okay, what are we doing today? Wow, is it different? You know, that is really beneficial to me as a teacher. So, so that alignment is really critical to our ecosystem. The, another really important characteristic of our ecosystem is evidence alignment and evidence-based. So when I think that's about right. evidence, right, we yeah. want our materials to be evidence-aligned. That's, that's aligned with this body of research known as the science of reading, aligned with the structured literacy protocols and methodology. But evidence-based is a really unique characteristic of our ecosystem, and that is you know, efficacy studies, you know, having studies that prove that an instructional move or an instructional program is effective. And, you know, publishers rarely invest in these because they're very expensive, they're time-consuming, they're hard to do, and I am really proud that we as a company, 95% Group, we've made that decision to invest in a wide range of efficacy studies across our product lines, and we have made the commitment to continue to invest in those. So our ecosystem also has the characteristic of evidence alignment and evidence-based. The other thing I would say that is unique about us is that our phonics ecosystem is really data-driven. We have a dynamite diagnostic assessment that can really pinpoint where a student is receiving, needs to receive intervention. So in Tier 1, when we do a screener and we identify our kids at risk, we give them a diagnostic that then pinpoints where in intervention They need that instruction to fill that gap. Then we have progress monitoring tools to ensure that the students, the the instruction is having the desired effect so that they're not caught in what I call the cul-de-sac of intervention, that the intervention is working, we want to monitor that, and then exit them from that intervention. So the diagnostic tools and the progress monitoring tools are critical to our ecosystem. Um, so, so I would say that that ecosystem, you know, the alignment and the consistency and the evidence and um, the data, all, last thing I'll say about the ecosystem, our ecosystem needs to be wrapped around by professional learning. And this company, 95% Group, actually started as a professional learning consultant yeah. group. Yeah. Our yeah. founders, Susan and David Hall, you yeah. know, decided know to them. start the company really to build the knowledge base of teachers so that teachers can, again, you know, deliver on their, their, their promise and their greatest goal as teachers, which is to teach their students to read. We have then a legacy of high-impact professional learning. We have, a, and I'm really so proud to be able to lead the professional learning group, amazing consultants and leaders and contractors who provide product training, you know, how to use our product, but they also provide the foundational knowledge building. So we have courses that our teachers can go through to just build their knowledge around the science of reading. And then we also, what I consider our crown jewel is our coaching. You know, yeah. we go into classrooms with teachers 
and you know model lessons for teachers watch teachers debrief with teachers talk about areas of challenge talk about students what can we help you with what can we recommend that is the best bang for if any of our administrators are listening that's the best bang of your professional learning buck is to have coaches or in classrooms side by side with teachers you know, the, the, for example, the Joyce and Showers research has a lot of research around coaching and how high impact it is. Building knowledge is important, but having the right resources and the right tools in teachers' hands, that's critical. Yeah. And then coaching to ensure that those tools are used to their maximum impact. It's, it's so important, Laura. That was a great inter- uh, overview, i got to tell you. And I, I wanted to ask you this, and it was, I, again, I'm not a reading teacher. What grades are we talking about? When you think about 95% group, where, mm-hmm. where are we going to on pre-K-12? Yeah, so, so we, we primarily um, are focused on the elementary grades. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, and this is one thing that, I, again, I'm just really proud of, and I think it's distinctive in the marketplace. We have a phonics word study core program, tier one program, that goes all the way from K through five. A lot hmm. of phonics programs well. only go K three. It's like okay, we're done, but we're not <laughs> because our fourth, right, our fourth and fifth graders need to continue word yeah, study hello. because yeah. to grapple with complex text, you need to understand how to decode multisyllabic words, and you also need to understand what words? Multi what words? Multi syllabic. Oh, syllabic. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So like, I know a big word too. Delicatessen. I know a big word. (laughs) Yeah, when we think about uh, when we think about. um, I just did hear you. I wasn't sure what you said. Good. Yeah, multi-syllabic. Yeah. So when we think about early phonics skills, we want to teach our kids to decode words, and we, you know, early early on, we focus primarily on single syllable words, but. You know, a lot of our kids can be proficient and also need strategies to be able to unlock a big word. Because one thing we see, and when I share this with teachers, they all nod their heads. In fourth and fifth grade, a lot of times our students will encounter a big word and they literally don't know what to do. So they'll skip over it or they'll guess. And so word study has to continue on beyond third grade to help our kids unlock those big words and also to help our kids develop morphology, an understanding of morphology, because when you think about those big words, how do you understand the meaning of those words? Well, again, the high utility, best bang for our buck, is to teach kids the morphological underpinnings of our language so that they can generalize, you know, from from one word to the next. So word study beyond, you know, third grade and beyond really focuses a lot more on those strategies that kids need to have. You know, phonics doesn't end, you know, when you need when you learn to decode a word. There's more to it. So I'm so so I'm sharing that to say that our focus is in the elementary grades. However, we also have intervention products that are into the middle school as yeah, well. Yeah, that's that's important. Uh, and yeah. I, you know I you know why it's important. I taught seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade history, social studies. Yeah. Um, God uh, bless and, you. And, <laughs> oh, what can I say? Thank you, thank you for that blessing. Okay, <laughs> but you, you know, we we didn't know if kids could read or not. We just assumed they could read. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. literally, I had no idea or any way, mm-hmm. literally, of knowing if a kid could read. So I was probably yeah. giving D's and E's or F's or whatever they were back then. Okay, mm-hmm. to kids who just couldn't read. Couldn't so read. how can they understand mm-hmm. what we're talking about here? How can they even read a yeah. test? 
Okay. How can mm-hmm. they write a test if you can't read? Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's very important that all teachers, certainly through middle school, understand this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah. I, I, I use this story a lot, but I've heard of kids who graduated from a big urban district. They were top of their class, all A's and B's, and they got the community mm-hmm. college and they're reading at a fourth grade level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just not fair. Mm-hmm. Now, on that note, as we wind mm-hmm. down here, I, I want to ask, I'm going to throw my favorite word out, which is equity. Okay. Mm-hmm. All the work mm-hmm. that you, you folks do, I mean, just talk, I'm going to throw that word out to you. Just talk about equity with kids and how this works across the whole spectrum of kids, be they male, female, racial, however you want to divide it, rural, mm-hmm. urban, whatever. What's, what's the equity mm-hmm. factor? Yeah. So, so I do think there, it's important for us to really recognize that um, we want to provide equitable access to high-quality instruction for all students. And as we've talked about before, you know, some of our teachers come to the profession not well-prepared, through no fault of their own, but not well-prepared in the science of reading. So our purpose is to make sure that all teachers have access to that knowledge. And importantly, all teachers have access to tools and resources that allow them to actualize the science in their classrooms. Yeah, that's key resources. Yep. It's so it's so key and I can't you know and that's again one of the reasons I was proud to come on to ninety five percent group because, you know, one of the things that I hear sometimes um, an administrator might say, Well our teachers, you know, we we believe in teacher autonomy. But in fact I think that can be that can be disempowering to teachers because what you're saying is, well, you know, you just figure it out. You figure it out. Well, I think that's that's not that doesn't provide students with an equitable experience. You know, you mentioned, you know, students who would rather be in, you know, Mr. Cooper's class than Miss Stewart's class. Yeah. Well, oh, we I can't believe they kids. would rather be in Cooper's than Stewart's. You're so good. I can't <laughs> yeah, believe that. Can I, I don't even know Cooper. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think, and I, and I think that's the you know that's the importance of a really strong literacy leader, you know, who recognizes that hey, our teachers need the knowledge. They need the tools and they need the support because teachers come to us in all different um, the spectrum of preparation, right? Yeah, of course. So to me, that, ec- that equitable access to instruction begins with making sure our teachers are well prepared. No matter what school they're in, no matter what body of students they're, they're teaching. And that takes a bold, that takes bold leadership sometimes. It does. Right? It does. You can't bold, bag out and yeah. say teacher autonomy. That's not the job. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. the job of leadership. I mean, mm-hmm. it's important to respect yeah. teachers. Don't misunderstand that. And they're good at what they mm-hmm. do. Most of them are pretty damn good at what they do. Oh, yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. But you've got to have a system that works through a K-12 system in many different classrooms. If, if you mm-hmm. don't do That's that, right. you're going to have trouble later because everybody's all over the place. Okay? And That's I know right. it's and brutal to say that, but, it, but it's true. Uh, Laura, this is great. I hope we can do more. This is just terrific. I really enjoyed this. It's fun. Oh, thank you, I hope you, Larry. you did too. I, I hope really, you did oh, too. Oh, I really, I really enjoyed it. I could, I could go on and on. I really could. Oh, well, I so hope we can do that. Thank you for giving me an opportunity. Sake. We can't do it today, but hopefully we will in the future. Okay, it's good I stuff. I would just love that. I would love yeah, that. Yeah, we'll be in touch. Thanks so we'll much. We'll be in touch. Okay. I promise you. Thanks, Larry. Okay. Thank you and, so much. And uh, thank you. What can I say? Thank you. Enjoy my old stomping grounds. You're, uh, where are you guys in Deerfield? Where are you? Um, actually, yeah, Lincolnshire. Uh huh. Lincolnshire. Couldn't think of it. Yeah, you live in Deerfield. Yeah. We okay. Deer- All right. Yeah, we lived in Deerfield and McHenry. We lived in Deerfield mm-hmm. and McHenry. Same neck of the woods. 
Yeah. There you go. Where Where do you live? If I may ask, where do you live? Do you sure, sure. Right? I live in a western. I live in a western suburb called Geneva. Oh, sure. Outside yeah. Outside of Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that used to be a million miles away. Now it's it. That was one of the inner suburbs. Oh, like yeah, it gets be, nuts. Right, it used to it's be farm like country out here, yeah. but now it's just part of the whole sprawl for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give you, I'll give you the best piece of trivia, McHenry, Illinois, which you have heard of, of course. McHenry. Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah. Okay. McHenry is named for the same guy Fort McHenry is named for. Same guy, Washington's Secretary of Defense or Secretary of War. There you go. Did not know that. There you yeah, go. Learn something See? every That's why we're day. Here. The old history teacher comes that. through. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, thank thanks a million. I appreciate this. You're really good. It's good to have you on the show. Thanks. Oh, you know my your pleasure. Stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye Bye-bye. Now. Bye-bye. Laura Stewart, everybody, who's the chief academic officer at a 95% group, and uh, Susan and David have done a great job of building that company up, and they do good work. I've never heard. I've only like I said the other way. I've only heard great things about what they do. Okay, so... Uh, Check it out, 95% group. And the way you look that up, it's nine, the number's 95. 95, then spell out percentgroup.com. I got it linked here on the website. We'll archive over at ace-ed.org. Good show. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Laura. Oh, yeah, if you need me, it's Larry at ace-ed.org. Always happy to answer you and talk to you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.